Welcome to Ladies Talking Leafs, Season 4, Episode Number 9. I'm Chris. And I'm Syl. We got a lot to cover in this episode, so before we get going, uh, just a reminder to let us know what you think about the show, and do you do that by leaving us a review on Apple or rating on Spotify. It's so important you do this for us, uh, for us to get more exposure as a source for leave content, and we thank you for taking the time. And you can also check out our Kofi page uh, where, where we've posted lots of photos uh, from our road trip to Carolina and our recent tour of the NHL office that we that we talked about on our last show. So if you choose to, you can make a donation there, which will help us uh, produce the show and make it even better for you. So you can find the link to our Kofi page on any of our show notes or in our social media profile pages. So uh, we're starting off the show with the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we'll run the Ladies Talking Leafs highlight reel. And then in our third period segment, we have our Ladies Talking Leafs insider, Mike Ogello, joining us to talk Leafs and what moves Kyle Dubas and company could be thinking of doing as we get closer to deadline day. So without any further ado, let's talk Leafs. Okay, the good, the bad, the ugly. So I actually had a tough time picking up my good, but so I ended up, and it shouldn't really have been that way, but I ended up picking Sheldon Keefe, our coach. I went a different direction here. I just like the last couple of weeks, I just like his, um, the way he's handling things, actually. Uh, like, for example, um, during that Montreal game versus the Habs, in between periods, apparently, uh, which wasn't a very good game, obviously, for us. But in between periods, he uh, he actually pulled Austin Matthews aside in the hallway before going into the dressing room, obviously. Yeah, to have I, like heard, a, I heard about yeah, that. Mm-hmm. To have a little discussion with him. It didn't make a difference, but still, I think that's showing some... <laughs> some some oomph in his uh in his power as a as a head coach and um yeah and I like the way he's been handling the Marleys as well uh the Marley call-ups like um Pontus Holmberg where he took versus the Senators he took the six minutes in penalties and he made a point of saying like that just can't happen taking six minutes um because he ended up moving Kerfoot back up into the uh, third line center, right? Because especially of, uh, second when, line, sorry. Especially second in line. that game, he elevated him to the to the second line yeah. you know, role. So it's like an opportunity for him to show something, right? Yeah, yeah. So I like that, and I also liked I like his handling of the goaltending, giving Samson off that r- the run of games recently, and just showing, starting to show some confidence in at least one of the two goaltenders that hopefully knock on wood still stays healthy. And yeah, I just really don't know why he's not. Uh, I mean, there has been a little bit of conversation about the Jack Adams trophy for coach of the year, and he's never even mentioned about it. And when you mm-hmm. think of all the injuries that he's been, they've had this year, they're actually number one in the league now in uh, man oh, wow. games lost. Yeah. Like and they're still up lost. there at the top of the league. Yeah. So That's showing a I, lot. I, I think he should be. I think the last person, I didn't look this up beforehand, but I think the last head coach, Jack Adams, was Pat Burns. Oh, yeah. That we've had, right? Mm-hmm. We're never, 
were never considered at all, like for, well, for that, our team. I don't know. It's true. And I mean, I, I, I know like, you know, Babcock, you know, he's, he's the name that no one wants to talk about these days, true. but even yes. at the beginning, I think he was also somebody that we're, you know, yeah. the very first couple of years where we were wondering why he was never considered. And, and I don't think he's ever been considered considering, no. you know, the accolades that he's, you know, up until his demise as a coach, um, yeah. he's considered the top coach in the league, you know, coach team yeah. Canada and everything. And even Pat Quinn, I don't think he ever really got yeah. uh, credit either. That's, that's who so, I was going to mention too. Yeah. It's interesting. But, you know, if you look at even, uh, you know, Tampa's coach, uh, Cooper, he's rarely nominated. Uh, it's, yeah. I think it's, I think it's difficult. Uh, most Yeah, but I look coaches, at two, like they're saying Jim Montgomery of the Bruins and I'm like, yeah. how the hell is he getting considered when he basically has a team that already was put together and hundred percent. And how is he getting considered? Like, how is he getting nominated? I don't understand it. Like he already, I don't know. Considering again, I mean, did they Cassidy made- ever win? I don't, I don't I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't but know. Anyhow, so I'm giving the the good to Sheldon Keefe. Well, I think that's actually really nice that you're giving him some props since a lot of times he gets a lot of criticism, you know, from yeah. a lot of different uh areas. And so yes, he definitely deserves to be given uh some kudos when it's deserved. And, you know, he's done a lot of winning here. So yeah. um I I definitely can't disagree with that. So my good is uh, Timothy Lilligren. Um, I think that we could, most people would agree that he's really come into his own this season. Um, And he is just becoming, you know, especially with Riley out for so much of the season up to now, I think he's arguably becoming probably, you know, next to Brody, our, our, our top guy. And he's actually a pretty resilient player, you know, doesn't get hurt, knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he scored that beautiful tying goal uh, the other night against the Rangers, which shows that he's got like a really good, he's got plays on that edge of, of being offensive, but no, doesn't give up the defensive side of it. I mean, obviously he's a young player. He's still going to make mistakes. I think as a defenseman, you're going to make mistakes every now and again, but for a guy who basically wasn't trusted to play more than two games in the first round of the Stanley cup, uh, final, uh, uh, round, uh, last year, I want to yeah. say final. What does yeah. that mean? <laughs> yeah, I was um, going to say that was good. That, it that felt like been... a Stanley Cup final. Maybe that's <laughs> yes. why. Um, anyways, now he's playing uh, up, upwards of 20 minutes a night. So definitely he has the trust of the coach. Yeah. And when it comes to coaching, actually, I read this too, that NHL coaches say that it takes 200 games to really know what you have in a, defen- in a young defenseman. Mm-hmm. And Lilligren right now including today we're recording on Sunday for the game versus the Capitals. He would have played 114 games in the regular. So he still has a little bit of runway there. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah. And one stat that I found interesting too, when looking up uh, Lilligren's stats, he has only been on the ice 14 times when scored upon at even strength, which is actually close to um, like one. Well, it is the best of the Leafs and it's mm-hmm. one of the best in the NHL too, when it comes to that at even strength. 
So yeah, he's really, I guess he's finally, he is a young player. So it's the identity, I guess, of the player too. He has to learn what his, what his identity is. And through, I guess, the coaching of Sheldon Keefe that we talked about before, um, I think that really, it's really helped him find the identity this year. And uh, yeah, I think he's gonna, he's, he, he could be a solid top four. It's funny because we were always talking about Sandine being that mm-hmm. top four and somehow Lilligren has jumped a little bit ahead of him right now, I think in, in the growth as a, as a defenseman. So, yeah, definitely. I, it's, it'll be interesting and I can't wait to see uh, what he turns into. Yeah. And so now moving on to the bad, it's always something bad, unfortunately. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We we don't we always can we cancel out the ugly but we can't cancel out the bad. So the bad for me is the Leafs playing the right way only when they have to. And by that I mean if you look at going back to our road trip to Carolina back in early November, that was on a back to back the second half. Mm-hmm. They beat the Bruins two to one in Boston, and then they beat the Carolina Hurricanes in Carolina three to one. So they can do it like that. That was basically an all out like team defense. And I'm not sure how many injuries we obviously, I think, yes, Muzzin was out by then, but um, I'm not sure. I think Brody, Brody was out. I think Riley was still playing then, but Mm -hmm. anyways, we had some injuries, but they had that commitment to team defense for that entire weekend. And then they did that again versus the lightning on December 20th at home they beat the lightning four to one so you look at those games and i think there was another game in early january where they they really had showed that commitment but then you look and you look at these games versus the habs and versus the senators losing at home six to two to the ottawa senators who are 23 points behind us yeah that was a disgrace like (laughs) <laughs> how do you do that like it just doesn't so this is what i mean only when they only when they want to or think they have to and you can't and most people say this you can't flip the switch let's just say come playoff time and say oh now we have to play all of a sudden team mm-hmm. defense you when you want to be a a great team and go far in the playoffs you got to commit i mean yes you're not going to win every game obviously Right. And some nights you won't have it. But this pattern of playing down to the opponent, it's just too much. Like it's just well, happening way too much. And it's not even it's not even that they lose. It's like if if they lose by one goal, that's fine. Like that right. would be, you know, more understandable because like you said, you can't win every night and you you can't, you know, have the pedal to the metal every night either. Like I think, you know, I remember Chicago when they were winning their cups, like I guess they 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 had, you know, games where they just decided that they weren't, you know, maybe this was a loss and then they weren't going to push it. Fine, I understand that, but to be to lose that way, you know, like the 6 to 2, that's yeah. that's ugly. And the same against Arizona, that there's only 3 games yeah. that they've in the whole year that they've lost by 6 goals uh yeah. to games and that's um not by 6 goals, but like with a, a with the opposition scoring six, that was yeah. Ottawa, Arizona was another one, yeah. and, and St. Louis, C- which is, you know, whatever. Didn't but to, Didn't they lose to Seattle too? I think they lost yeah, to Seattle. Yeah, but not six. Oh, not, not six. six okay. Yeah. Mind you, Seattle. Maybe it was probably five. But the thing is, is it's, it's, 
Some of it is how you lose. But, you know, maybe it is that thing that they're like, okay, it's not happening for us tonight. And then they just don't put their, (laughs) don't put their energy into it anymore. Which I guess if it, if it means that we're going to go far in the playoffs, I can forgive. But, you know, that's the difference between Chicago and us is that we've yet to prove that. And as a Chicago Blackhawks uh, fan at that time, you could say, okay, that's fine because they're going to bring it in the playoffs. So until we see that, all of these types, no, these losses are going to sit very sourly in our mouths, let's just say. Like, it's just not going to sit well with us. And that is, again, like why we need to see them, you know. Make it past around at least at for least. us to believe that they can. I mean, really, even one round is probably not going to be good enough. But if they're they're keeping some reserves in the tank by doing this, yeah. then you know I want to see it there in the spring. So yeah, yeah. All right, what's your bad? So my bad is is uh, especially you know in these kind of bad losses are giveaways, and unfortunately. A lot of these are led by by Justin Hall, who, if you look at the column for giveaways in the past five games, he always has the most. And in the the two losses that we had in the last five games, the bigger ones, um, you know, Montreal and um, this last one against Ottawa, he had led led the team except for, I think, uh, he was tied with Connor Timmins for for one of them, but. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Like, he's played really, really well this year in a lot of different spots, especially when Riley was out. He seemed to be put, putting his best games uh, in. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like since Riley's been back, and I don't know if it's because a lot of some of the time they've been paired together and it's just not a good combination. Um, yeah. But yeah, like when he's bad, he's bad, yeah. unfortunately. And it, and it always seems to kind of lead yeah. to a goal. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he's obviously he's going back into a little bit of a down down uh playing playing down basically Justin Hall, but I mean Connor Timmins also gave away the puck uh, blatantly to Pasternak on in the Boston game. Yeah. And J- mm-hmm. JT also did give a giveaway as well. So uh, to me it's a I mean, it's the fact that I guess Justin Hall too when he does a giveaway, it's like open for everybody to like yeah go on there's him no, he, he's there's easy no sugar coating it you say yeah, yeah yeah and um but yeah connor timmins had that one but it was interesting i was looking at the giveaways in the le- in the league and they were saying mm-hmm. that and it's true actually according to these stats here they were saying that the more you play the more giveaways you're going to have so well, yeah, that the makes more, sense. You, more time you're on the ice. So, you know, I was surprised actually the number one in the league. Do you know who number one in the league is? I'm looking at it now for, for giveaways uh, for giveaways. Yeah. No. Can you take a guess? No. <laughs> he, is on, <laughs> he is on the Bruins and I didn't mention his name. Oh, Pasternak. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah, this season well, he has yeah. 70, 73 giveaways. Yeah. And he's not too far ahead of Evgeny Malkin is at 67. Our our highest giveaway person right now is, and it makes it's probably sense not because, even Justin Hall, is it? No, no, no. It's Mitch Marner. Yeah, because he plays all the time, right? And he's on the penalty yeah. kill too, so he yep. has 50, But considering he's eighth, he's yeah. at 50, 55. Mm-hmm. and um, 
And Connor McDavid is just below him at 53. He's 10th. Right. And even Nikita 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 Kucherov is ninth. Yeah, but the difference is, is that these guys that you're all mentioning, they're all forwards. So they can offset their giveaways by guess what? That's true. Their offensive output. Yeah. As a defenseman with the giveaways, that is, you know, that you're the last, last man standing, you know, next to your goaltender. So I think it's different when it's a defensive zone uh, giveaway versus, because they're not going to offset it with, with being able to produce. Yeah. And you Unless definitely, they're really offensively gifted defensemen, like say somebody like Kill McCarr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you definitely, I mean, it's just, again, it just goes back to how blatant it is. Like, you know, like you, yeah. you, I mean, it's obviously for us, we're not playing the game. It's, it's mm-hmm. easy to say, say it, but like the options are there for him to like take a route up the boards and, or not pass it across the middle, that sort of thing. But he just doesn't do that in those moments. <laughs> well, because that's the, you have the, the other difference between the, uh, like a, a defenseman versus an, an, an uh, offensive uh, player, you know, um, is especially the guys you mentioned, they're all creative type of players. So when you're a creative type of player, you're going doing all kinds of cycling and you're, you're trying to create something. So the chances of you giving it up in that point, is is greater but yeah. as a defenseman you need to make the smart simple play right yes. none of yep. that stuff right yeah. so so that's why i think that's the, where the difference comes in anyways yeah, yeah. so Anyhow. i i hopefully he'll get out of li- this little bit of a rut and uh get back to playing smart yes starting tonight versus the capitals yes okay all right so we don't have any ugly thankfully and but we do have some beauty highlights from the past couple of weeks. So we're going to roll the Ladies Talking Leafs highlight reel. All right. So coming in at number three, we have Austin Matthews versus the Jets. His goal set eight seconds into period two was vintage Austin Matthews. He took the puck off of Mark Shifley and then ripped it past Jets goalie Connor Hellebuck for a beauty goal. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh... Oh, I mean, that opened the scoring too. So mm-hmm. that just got us going into the game. And, and yeah, unfortunately, I mean, I think it's been talked about enough. We really didn't mention that Austin Matthews is injured now, mm-hmm. um, but for he's out of the lineup for a little bit. But I mean, and it's too bad because after having that little rest, uh, he, he would, he really showed that he, he was, he came back flying basically in, in the mm-hmm. games. And, um, we just want him to be healthy, though, for April. <laughs> That's right. That's the main thing. What made yeah. this one even sweeter for me, I think, was basically uh, digging oh. out Shifley yeah. and, and yeah. ripping him off. That was just beautiful. Uh, yeah. We all know that it's the Stanley Cup for them every time uh, they play us. So, um, yeah, so to to beat him on that uh, rush was uh, even more sweet. Yeah. Okay, coming in at number two is our goaltender, Ilya Samsonov. So he's been terrific in the last stretch of games that he's had in net, uh, particularly that game versus the Jets, where he they only got one by him and it was on a five-on-three. So on the power play, they the Jets scored. So he also made some spectacular saves versus the Rangers. 
He's now 14-1-1 at home with his first loss in regulation in that game uh, versus the Senators, where he still played really, really well. And he was really put in a tough spot um, with Matt Murray coming up with this ankle injury or whatever it is, the flare-up that he has. And uh, he really didn't, Samsonov didn't know he was playing until basically like an hour before the game time, I guess. Um, so yeah, um, kudos to him. And he's, uh, I like his personality too. Like he's uh, in the interviews and that he's, he seems like a fun loving guy and uh, for a goalie. And um, yeah, he's just, I mean, there's lots of stats about him. Um, like he was, I think it was 14 games that he had the, at least a point uh, at, at home, like coming like that's a streak, I guess, for goalies for for home for home games for his first home games. Even though he's not, they're not played consecutively, obviously, but um, because Murray was in between. But for his fourteen games that he played in a row, he got a point, and that's uh, that's a really that's really big uh, for us and uh, and him. And I uh, I think that you you can't overlook that in this stretch he's come up against uh, his opponents are some of the top goalies in the league, including some of his Russian mates in in Sorokin and uh, Shosturkin. Yeah, and yeah. he showed up and then some against those guys. So yeah, um, yeah. Uh, more kudos to him, and uh, yeah. hopefully you know he can keep it going and. You know, once he hunkers down, like he's definitely tough to beat. So yeah. stay so healthy. That's pretty good. Yes, we have to. <laughs> he has to stay healthy. <laughs> yeah. All right. So in our number one spot, I think no one could argue this one is Mitch Marner. And it's uh, with regards to his overtime winner versus the Rangers, which was just beautiful. Cutting across the front of the net, he got tripped up by Shesterkin's stick and went flying through the air, Bobby Orr-esque, and still managed to hold on to the puck and tuck it past the goalie. So, uh, you know, Bobby Orr, he didn't go flying until after he scored, and Mitch actually scored while he was flying. So <laughs> yeah. so that's pretty, pretty awesome and a great way to finish that game up. Yeah. I mean, what can you say about Mitch? He's having a phenomenal season. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, he's I guess his home point streak ended, um, he, at, yeah. I guess, on I guess on Friday night then. Right. Yeah. For yep. uh, at 20 games. But still, that's it's great what he's been doing. And we're going to need more of that with uh, with Matthews being out. Um, we're going to definitely need him and Willie uh, and JT uh, to to step it up a little bit along with mm -hmm. the rest of the team, hopefully get some depth scoring. But on the topic of JT, we just want to give him a we need to mention him, obviously, today uh, versus the Capitals. He's playing his thousandth game. Um, and I actually, I didn't have time to read it, but some of his teammates from the Islanders uh, were saying great things about him. And I hope... That's nice. The, yes. And I hope the fans of the New York Islanders become more respectful and actually... Um, I think we have another game there that they actually give him an ovation for playing the thousand game because he did a lot for that organization as well. And they would mm -hmm. not be the, they would not be where they are if they wasn't for JT. So absolutely. Codus to our captain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So congratulations to JT on that milestone. Apparently he's going to have a lot of family and friends in, uh, in the audience tonight. So that's, that's really good too. It's going to be special. Yeah. 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 
All right. So now we're going to move on to our third period segment where we have our, well, it's not our inaugural uh, interview with Mike, but this is his first time coming on as our official Ladies Talking Leafs insider. So listen to our interview with Mike. So for our third period segment and for our Leafs Talk segment, we want to welcome back to the show for the first time as our Ladies Talking Leafs insider, Mike Agello. As mentioned in our first show of the new year, we're going to have Mike on on a regular basis to discuss everything going on behind the scenes with the Leafs. Yes, and uh, Mike covers the Leafs and the NHL as a reporter and is a co-host of a few podcasts, including uh, for HockeyBuzz.com, Off the Post Radio, and the Leafs Convo. He's also a writer for Full Press Hockey covering the NHL and has a blog on HockeyBuzz.com. Welcome to the show, Mike. Ladies, always a pleasure. Yes, you're very busy with all that with all that stuff, and we're going to make you busier. <laughs> and, and believe me, the the gee, the the Leafs don't keep you busy with all the news that they make. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> true, that's for sure. All right, so we're going to start off first of all with this current Leafs team and the goaltending. Of course, that's the. Uh, I mean, it started off with Austin Matthews, of course, but then everybody's it's, that's been talked about, and he's. Hopefully just going to get better. But now with Matt Murray uh, and the ankle injury that we heard this morning um, about. And I don't know. I just thought it was kind of odd that, like, I know it's a flare up, but wouldn't you know about this? It kind of put him in a tough position, uh, Samsonov, last night versus the Senators. Like, to he wasn't expecting to play. And the goalies, they obviously have a routine to uh for the game day and all that. What did you think about that whole thing with Matt Murray? And it it just smacked me as odd because I mean, I I had looked at the schedule and said, well, Samson off is 14 Oh and one at home. But if you're going to get Murray a start and there is no health issue playing against Ottawa, the team that basically gave him away for nothing and said, we'll take 25% just to get rid of this guy. The the motivation would have been there for him. And I, I expected Murray to start against the Sens. Um, he left the morning skate first, so he looked to be the, the guy, and he took the warm up as if the starter, as if he would be the starter. And there was, and I, I just I retweeted it. There was a video of him taking a sort of a high shot from William Nylander, and somebody thought that maybe uh, he had caught like this collarbone or a shoulder or something. And, you know, he checked with him and it looked like everything was okay. But uh, apparently, you know, this was something that Sheldon Keefe said that they were dealing with on an ongoing basis and it wasn't anything of a serious nature. Otherwise, they would have called somebody up and he was okay to be the backup for Samsonov. But like you were saying, goaltenders are creatures of habit. And when you say you're going to start 15 minutes, 20 minutes before the game, that can throw somebody you know, into a, in, in, into a little bit, bit, a bit of a tizzy. I'm, I'm, I'm an old goaltender. Yeah. I mean, street hockey, not, not regular hockey, but <laughs> you know, if you're telling me I'm going in that, then, Oh, okay. You know, it's a, you're just off a little bit. And Samsonov did look off, but the, the long ranging concern here is Murray. And we had the yeah. adductor injury earlier in the year and he's had a long stretch where he's been fine. I mean, he's had his off days here or there, but he's in general been pretty good. Um, it's a question of how long this is going to be. 
the Leafs are in a much better position goaltending wise in terms of the way or where they were when Eric Schalgren had to play back to back games in I think it was November. Uh, Joseph Wall is the hottest goaltender right now in the American Hockey League and played great last night after losing, uh, I think it was to Abbotsford earlier in the week. So if they have to call up somebody and Wall has had some NHL experience from last year, it's not something that is going to be uh, like debilitating on a long-term basis. So if they have to call them up, yeah. they, they have some options. Um, yeah. So what do you think about the fact that um, he has, that Murray hasn't played against his own team, his old team twice now? Well, the first time, I mean, I was, I was there on that gate for that game at the morning skate when he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And it really didn't, it was like, I missed it. And most of the people missed it. I think David Alter from Sports Illustrated caught it and said something was off there. And then all of a sudden we found out that, you know, Samson are up, that uh, he was going to be out. Um, and there was a scramble there that, you know, the e-bug would have had to be the backup. And they, they didn't even have, uh, you know, Shalgren had been hurt the night before uh, in, a, in a game in Rochester. And they didn't know if he was going to be available. So it was a scramble for a couple hours. Um, in this situation, Shogren is healthy with the Marlies. So is Wall. Wall's back and Wall's playing great. So it's much less of a concern. But overall, I mean, I think this break that's coming up, this nine-day break with the All-Star break and the and the bye week, it's happening at the best time for the Leafs. They Absolutely. Have, yeah, they have two more games to go against Washington tomorrow and against Boston on Wednesday. And then they don't play again until February 10th. So it that's coming up at a really good time for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. And uh, yeah. So anyhow, I just, I just hope he's ready for, do you think he yeah. Murray is still going to, they're hoping for him to be like the starter for the playoffs. Do you think that? Uh, I mean, you've seen that they're, they've been riding Samson off the last, you know, I mean, since Murray yeah. had that bad, uh, early game again, early part of the game against Florida. Samsonov came in relief. That was the first time a Leaf goalie, I believe, had been pulled for something other than injury um, this year. Yeah. Samsonov played great, even in the loss against Montreal. Um, he last night was the first night that he really was not sharp. So I think they wanted to get one goalie to sort of carry the load and see if he could do that. All in all, I mean, I know that Samsonov had playoff experience last year with Washington against Florida, but all things being equal, I would expect Matt Murray to still be the starter when game one of the playoffs comes along. But, you know, if he if he if he does and he doesn't play well, then they can go to Samsonov. They have options. Okay, so let's uh, move to the defense uh, discussion now. So, um, you know, we've talking about injuries. We have a defenseman that has just come back recently from injury. Well, it's not that recent now, which I guess is why we're asking the question. Um, so do you have any concerns with the play of Morgan Riley or will everything be fixed once uh, TJ Brody is back in the lineup, which seems quite imminent because I heard that this morning yeah. he was wearing a regular jersey in practice. So. The concern about Riley, I mean, it was obvious based on his play. I don't think he was particularly sharp. He was out for five weeks with the knee injury. I didn't think he was particularly sharp when he came back. 
I don't think he came back too early. I don't think this medical staff would allow him to come back too, too early. But there's always a natural hesitancy when a player is coming back from injury, especially a player who relies so much on his skating ability as, as, as Riley does. I didn't think he was particularly sharp. I don't think uh, Sheldon Keefe was doing him any favors playing him with Justin Hall, especially last night because mm-hmm. Justin Hall – Justin Hall, the, the Justin Hall we know and love made a reappearance yesterday. Not the Justin Hall that played when Riley was hurt because that, that Justin Hall, there was like, he sort of like transformed from Rod Langway or something. The guy that, the guy that showed <laughs> yesterday giving away the puck twice that ended up in the back of his net. That's the Justin Hall that we know and loathe. Um, but I, you know, he played really well with Liljegren. And I don't know why Sheldon Keefe decided to change things up. Now, Riley is best when he has a defenseman who covers up for his, you know, he wants to rush the puck. He wants to go in, he wants to attack into the offensive zone. Brody is the perfect guy to do that. But last year, as we know in the playoffs, they needed they needed Brody to pair with Muzzin because Muzzin, I think, was a little bit compromised in terms of his health. And they had Labushkin, and he played with Riley, and I think did a pretty decent job as a stay-at-home guy. Once Brody comes back, I think Brody is going to be with Riley, unless they have to, you know, nurse somebody through, and that could that could be Hall again. You know, Sheldon Keith just no matter what has to play Justin Hall 21, 22 minutes a night. So, but I, I think the best pairing for Riley would be would be Brody. But in the last couple games. Yeah. I think he has gotten back to being the Riley that was there before the injury. He still doesn't have a goal, but I still think he's. That's what I was just going to say. That I was just. We wish we he would just get a goal. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. It'll, it'll, keep... you know what? It, it, it'll come. It'll come in a yeah. way. He'll get a goal, and then he'll score three or four. Hundred percent. Yeah, I keep picking uh, Morgan on the uh, on the Tim's. Uh... Tim's uh, hockey challenge thing. <laughs> I keep hoping that'll work for him, but I don't know. Not yet. Okay. All right. So because trade deadline, it's coming up in about a month or so. So want to talk to you mostly about that and the trade possibilities um, coming up, I guess, trade deadlines, March the 3rd. And we all know that Tampa is going to be playing in the playoffs or they're going to be playing in the playoffs. Um, are you hearing any news to say Kyle Dubas and the Leafs are going to make a big move or is it going to be a couple of death moves, do you think? Or what do you well, what are you hearing that way? He seems to be spending a lot of time in Vancouver. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know the, the, and I, the, uh, the reporter for The Athletic um, put out last night that Dubis and Dave Morrison, who's the head of head of pro scouting, I believe, uh, were at the uh, Vancouver game. Now, yes, they've been at I, I don't know if this been they've been at more than one Vancouver game, but conspicuous was who Vancouver was playing last night, which was the Columbus Blue Jackets. And, you know, one of the names that has been tied to Toronto has been Vladislav uh, Gavrikov, the Blue Jackets defenseman. Um, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. He's making less than three million bucks. Um, he is somebody who has played Tampa Bay twice in the playoffs in the last few years. Uh, I believe he was on the team that swept them a few years ago with T- Tortorella as the head coach. And he played against uh, Tampa when after – uh, Columbus beat the Leafs in Tampa, uh, they, and they lost to Tampa in the second round or in the first round because it was the play-in round. So he has experience against Tampa. He's 27 years old. Um, 
I would think that Toronto, in a situation where they're trading for a defenseman, would like to get somebody who either has term or somebody that they can extend. And, you know, maybe Gavrikov is that type of player. I mean, his agent is D- Daniel Milstein, who uh, Dubas has had a long uh, record of negotiations with. I mean, he's Amarov's agent. He was the agent for Ilya Mikheyev. So I think they have a good relationship and think they usually cut pretty fair, pretty good deals. So I would think just as much as maybe the potential of them looking at Luke Shen, who is on uh, the Canucks, it would be Gavrikov. Now, as for the whether they can whether whether Dubas can make a big splash or not, it all matters on I mean, right now they're one point one million under the cap. Um, and that's including Jake Muzzin's LTIR and Nick Robertson's LTIR and Victor Mete's LTIR and all, all the players that are injured, it includes everything. So they don't have a lot of room. Now they can massage that. They can send Wayne Simmons to the minors. They can send, uh, Joey Anderson to the minors and they can get that amount over $2 million. But that's, I mean, unless you're getting, Columbus to retain 50% or you're trading a player through a third team, you know, it's, I don't know whether they can make a move for a forward and a defenseman, which is something that Elliot Friedman has indicated that they want to do. So either that means they have to get one of these players traded through a third team, or that means they're going to trade somebody off of the roster. So if, if it's a third team, then that costs you additional assets to make that happen. And if it's trading somebody off the roster, then you have to ask who that will be. Will it, will it be Pierre Engvall? Will it be Alex Kerfoot? Will it be uh, Justin Hall? I mean, it could be any one of the three. I mean, barring an injury and somebody else being placed on LTIR, those are your options. So I, I think that Dubis wants to make a big splash, but I don't know if he can make a big splash. And I'll just say, I'll just say, I add this because I'm amused by this all of a sudden. (laughs) And I'm not disputing the, the, that it is out there because people like Darren Brager, who is really good at his job and Mike Johnson from TSN and a few other people have been reporting about the availability of Matthew Nyes, the Leafs top prospect. Um, that yeah. all of a sudden, you know, oh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that the Leafs would be willing to trade Matthew Nyes if they're going all in. And Kyle Dubas, you know, he's basically singing for a supper and he's got to win this year or he's going to lose his job. Okay. I don't know whether Brendan Shanahan would allow Kyle Dubas to trade Matthew Nyes in a deal for a rental because this is a 20-year-old prospect who is very good and is a unicorn in terms of the Leafs. He's a big bruising power forward type something they don't have and i if they don't get something in terms of a return with a for a player that has term on his contract i can't see them trading matthew nice at all so i think this is being filtered out there in the toronto ether to sort of like make you know sort of grease the wheels for matthew nice to be included in a deal i don't think there's a chance that matthew nice is being included in a deal well, that's actually an interesting mm-hmm. point, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, talking yeah. a little bit about D, you've already mentioned a couple of the 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 uh, potential trades that we kind of had um, were thinking of or had heard about. So Gavrikov and the possibility of Luke Shen. But what about uh, somebody like Jake McCabe from the Blackhawks? What did you What have you heard about him? 
Well, Frank Cervalli reported uh, the the rumor regarding McCabe, and I do know that Elliot Friedman had mentioned McCabe a few weeks ago in regards and connection with Edmonton. And that chatter ended fairly quickly. And if you put the two rumors together, uh, Cervalli mentioned that McCabe has a seven-team no-trade list. Ha-ha. And, yeah, which, you know. That, <laughs> Seven teams, yeah. That rings doorbells, but apparently yeah. it's yeah. the six Canadian teams excluding Toronto. So Toronto is not mm. the two, not one of the seven teams that is blocked by the no by the no trade clause. Now Jake McCabe played most of his career with Buffalo. Um, I, when he played in Buffalo, I thought he was a pretty good defenseman. But the big question mark here: he's got two more years left in his contract at four million dollars. He has had three major injuries, a shoulder problem that ended, uh, I think it was 2018 that ended his season prematurely in Buffalo, a major knee injury, ACL, MCL uh, with uh, with wow. the Sabres that ended his career with the Sabres. He ended up signing a free agent deal with Chicago after that. And then this year, a cervical spine injury, which is the same area injury as Jake, as Jake Muzzin. So- oh. Player with two years left at four million bucks, with that kind of injury history. If I'm a general manager, I'm saying, okay, I'm interested, but are we going to get? We're getting him for pennies on the dollar because there's a lot of risk there. And stuff coming out of Chicago is well. If if we have to eat two million bucks, then we want a first round pick. I hang up. Yeah, no. If it's me, but yeah, Leafs apparently like him and. You know, if they get Chicago to retain salary and he's a $2 million defenseman for two years, then I don't think Kyle Dubas is anxious to give away his first round pick, especially for a defenseman who's, I think, a, oh, no. a, middle, a middle defenseman, like a, a maybe a four, maybe a really good five. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm a little skeptical. Yeah. The rumor, I think the rumor might be, the, you know, the rumor of the interest might be true, but whether they're willing to give up what Chicago is looking for, that's what I'm skeptical about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. The, yeah. Going back to the Kyle Dubas there on the salary cap, just for a second, not to get too much into it, but with Jake Muzzin, like he's making, it's 5 million, something just over 5 million, right? Per season. So you don't, yeah. So we're not, when it comes to the cap and him being on LTIR, like mm-hmm. we don't get the full value of that 5.6 then it's just well it's not it's not that it's, it's the fact that he, he, okay you would have had the, he's on LTIR but the thing was when he was placed the on LTIR and at that point of the season the Leafs were carrying 20 or 21 players on their roster since they okay. placed him on LTIR they called up and now they have a full 23 man roster. They have 14 forwards, seven defensemen or eight defensemen and 13 forwards and two goalies. So they yeah. used the, the, the LTIR space to call up Joey Anderson and Bobby McMahon. Oh, I see. Okay. So, you know, to get more of that space, they would have to go to 20 or 21 players. That's why all the calculations regarding available cap space would have to would be sort of mitigated by whether they trade somebody off their active roster or whether they send players down like Wayne Simmons. Like, I mean, I'm pretty confident in the fact that Wayne Simmons will be placed on waivers um, mm-hmm. before March the third. 
Maybe he won't go down. Maybe he won't play games for the Marlies, but on paper, he'll be demoted. He'll be placed on waivers. He'll clear, and that takes $900,000 off the cap. They'll do that. They'll open up as much space as possible, but for them to add a defenseman and a forward, they're going to have to probably clear out another big salary. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and now actually we're going to talk about the forwards now, because we talked about the D and the forwards. Some of the big names we've heard are like Ryan O'Reilly, Bo Horvat, of course, from the Canucks and Timo Meyer of the Sharks, which personally, I don't think, I mean, Timo Meyer is that, um, like that contract that he has, he has, it's like $10 million or something that he still has left. And then there, so those are the big names. And then there's the depth move players like uh, Lawson Krause, I've heard, Max Domi, Nino mm. Niederreiter. Mm. Do you know if the Leafs would have any interest in any of those players? Well, I'm, I'm sure, you know, they have interest they? in all of them. It's whether they can make yeah. them happen. I mean, the, the first thing with right. Meyer, and I, I don't think that the Leafs are, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think they would love to get him. Um, but the price to get Timo Meyer is probably the usual first round pick, top prospect, and a player. Um, and San Jose doesn't want somebody like an Alex Kerfoot, who's a UFA. They probably want to, they'd probably want Nyes or Topi Nimala or Nick Robertson or, you know, a, pro, a legitimate prospect. The, the thing with Meyer is he's got a $10 million qualifying offer. He's an RFA. He's not a UFA. He's got a $10 million qualifying offer this summer. Now, the way around that is, now, if you're, if you're going to give up all this and you can't, uh, and you don't want to sign him for $10 million for a year, then you just don't qualify him and he becomes an unrestricted free agent. But for a team like Toronto, you can qualify him. You just, that's not meaning you're going to sign him to a contract. You qualify him, you retain the rights, and then you could flip him in a trade someplace else to a team that wants to sign him long-term. So if they traded for him, they would have options short of qualifying him at $10 million. It's like qualifying him doesn't mean that they've, they've uh, signed him to a contract. Now, Meyer could come back and say, oh, I'll take the qualifying offer, and then it's $10 million bucks, and then he walks away, and then he puts the Leafs in cap jail. But there are options there, and they would have those options before July the 1st. So, But I, I, think, I think they're likely going to go into the rental market. I mean, it, they, ideally, they would like to get somebody who has term left, and Lawson Krause, I believe, is the only one of those players, maybe Nita Ryder does, mm -hmm. uh, that has term. O'Reilly's a, a, a UFA, so is Domi, um, so is so is Myers an RFA, you know, Patrick Kane is a UFA. So if they go in that in that Martin Bohor that as well, if they go in that market, then you know, you're giving up assets for a rental who they likely will not re-sign. JVR is another name that's been out there. I don't know if how realistic mm -hmm. it is, but I, yeah. ideally, the Leafs I have don't... his jersey. <laughs> you still have his hands. Is this number, is this I have his jersey. Number? Come back. He'd have to... He'd, well, no, he, he, I think he was 25 after he gave up 21, and yes. he'd have to give uh, Connor Timmons a Rolex watch to get his jersey back. Um, yeah. But... <laughs> I mean, we know where the slot is that the Leafs want to fill. It's the left wing slot on the second line with Tavares and Marner. And if you look at that, you would say, well, that rules out O'Reilly or Horvat because they're primarily centers. But 
we see what's happening right now with one injury to Austin Matthews, and that means Pontus Holmberg playing center on the second line. And I like Pontus Holmberg, and he's a good young player, and I have a lot of, uh, you know, I think he's going to be something in years to come, but he's not ready to carry the burden that Tavares does as a number two center. So that's why, you know, getting an O'Reilly or getting a Horvat or somebody capable of playing center um, is something that might be a, a good option. But again, the price on most of these guys will be a first round pick and something of something of tangible value. Uh, Kraus is the only player in this list, and he's locked up for four years at over four million bucks. He is the only one that I would conceivably give up Matthew Nyes in a deal for, simply because. You've got cost certainty there, and you've got, and he's 25 or 26 years old, and we know what type of player he is. He's a tough SOB who, you know, is physical. He's what you hope Matthew Nyes will be, although you hope Nyes will have more more scoring ability. But if you're looking for a trade for the here and the now, Kraus is the, Kraus is the guy. But I don't know how willing Arizona is to trade him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, um. So we've mentioned, you know, the potential of uh, of, a, of a roster uh, player being traded. So I guess Kerfoot is a, a likely candidate, uh, but we've also heard, you know, possibly Engvall or Sandine even. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the potential for one of those guys going the other way? Well, Kerfoot for a, and this is the reason why Kerfoot is, you know, it's funny because there's there are a lot of Kerfoot haters out there. I'm not mm-hmm. one of them. He's a versatile player, can play wing and center, good penalty killer, speedy. Um, he's just not particularly gifted in terms of scoring goals. I mean, he's you know he gets lots of chances, and you know mm-hmm. uh, he just doesn't convert. But that, I think that's the reason why he frustrates a lot. But of people. he's he also has been like in the the past three years when we've had not a lot going in the playoffs has been right. one of our better playoff performers. Too. Right when Tavares. Was knocked yeah. knocked out by Corey Perry. Remember that second line was their best line. Mm-hmm. Matthews and Marner were shut down, and the best line was Galchenyuk, Kerfoot, and Neander. So mm-hmm. people and people forget that. People want to forget anything they having to do with the Montreal series, uh, and I understand why. <laughs> um, but, but he's but he is versatile. He can, he can fill a number of holes and like. Okay, Matthews gets hurt. Now Kerfoot likely will be the number two center because I don't think Holmberg handled the role pretty well in that first game. What about Willie? Why are they unwilling to put Willie in that spot? Because defensively, I think he's compromised. I mean, he's just not a good defensive player. I mean, the the funny thing is, and I, I think you but know. But he is better this year. Do you not agree? Better. He is better this year, but and I've 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 told you this before. There there is a dual personality here with William. Yeah, we actually yes. wanted we had that as a question: is that who are we seeing more of? Uh, it's it's Doctor doc- Nylander. It's the doctor. Yes. The, doc- the doctor is in this year, but <laughs> this is around the this is around the same time that Mister Willie showed up last year. Correct. I was mm-hmm. saying. He belongs in the all-star game. And then after the all-star break, I don't know if it was disappointed that he couldn't go to, to Vegas or whatever it was, but all of a sudden Mr. Willie showed up, you know, he's given up the puck and the lackadaisical stuff. And then we saw the straight leg in the playoffs and all that stuff. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like, if he continues to do this, nobody complains because he's been arguably their most, him and Marner have been their most consistent forwards all year, but I'm just waiting for the appearance of Mr. Willie. 
All right. Well, we will have chances to discuss that in the, fu- in yeah. the future yeah. months. Oh, for sure. But, yeah. But, but at center, at center, I don't think I, he's so used to playing right wing and mm. a few instances when he's played center, when Babcock was the coach and even when Sheldon was the coach, there's not, I don't think a level of trust there. Now, maybe this year, the way he's played, there would be, there would be more in a playoff scenario. Maybe you say, okay, our best option here is playing Willie up the middle. I think if they have other options that they'll explore those other options. Like if, if it's Kerfoot or if it's somebody that they trade for who can play center, then they'll go down that road before, because you know, he right now he's just been a demon offensively. He's been mm-hmm. consistent and, and you don't want to mess with that, but you also, you know, there's that chemistry with him either with Tavares or with, uh, or with Matthews and, you know, when you're the facilitator rather than the guy who is the trigger man, it's it's a different role. But I, I you know, I just I don't think they're going to go go with Willie up the middle. Okay, well we'll mm-hmm. see. I guess hopefully it yeah. doesn't come to that where they have to explore that option, right? Um, yeah. Anyway, do you got any other little tidbits? Uh, anything that you want to add to this conversation? Well, and okay, I I, I, th- I thought that maybe, um, you know, me being sort of like an old time hockey fogey that uh, <laughs> my reaction to certain things were just like, you know, you know, me just me being a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, <laughs> but I saw Mike McKenna, former NHL goaltender, AHL goaltender, Mike McKenna, uh, comment on the same thing that I, that I commented on after the Rangers game on Wednesday, and that was the complete lack of response from the, from the Leafs to two big hits right in front of their nose, and that was Mark Giordano getting laid out by Ryan Lindgren right near the Leafs bench, and earlier, I think it was in the first period, when Lilligren got laid out by Keandre Miller, and the guys on the ice couldn't have skated further away from the, those two confrontations. They, you know, there's like, what? Did something happen? Oh, you know, they just... And the the other than Michael Bunting, when he's on the ice, and Marcio Giordano when he did the the body slam on Travis Konechny, there is little or no team toughness or pushback on this team. And you can't say that Wayne Simmons playing four minutes mm-hmm. is going to provide that. This team mm-hmm. more than anything, if it's not in the top six, and it's tough to get those players. But if you don't, I think more important than getting another defenseman. More important, almost as important as getting a top six forward is getting one or two players who can play with physicality and a little bit of pushback. Because if you don't think Tampa Bay and Boston are going to push the Leafs around and slam Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Nylander, you got another thing coming. Remember game seven a few years ago when Chara punched Tavares? Mm-hmm. There'll be more of that stuff. And that's what I'm saying. That, you know, I'm all for skill and speed and, you know, in certain instances, turning the other cheek is the, is the smart thing to do, but there's gotta be some accountability and pushback. And if you don't have that, you just encourage those teams to do it more and more and more. But don't you think that should be more of like a a team mindset that you don't have to be a tough guy to play tough, to stick up for your teammate? Like that is a, that is something that should be like a, 
a team mindset in a way, right? I, I hear you, but I, but but other, you know, Giordano is thirty nine years old. He's yeah. a, a grizzled veteran. He is he is somebody that you know you know he's been a captain. Uh, he's a you know he's a leader. Do you think he wanted to be the guy that jumped in on Travis Konechny? He had to do that because Konechny was slashing at Matthews and Bunting was sort of, you know, playing like the little dog nipping at the, at the, at the ankles. Um, but somebody had to do something. Otherwise, Matthews was going to get into a fight with Travis Konechny. And the last thing they want to do is have Matthews hurt his wrist or something like that in a fight. You know, there are, yeah. there are certain players that have certain roles on teams. And the thing is, it's like, you know, Pierre Engvall, six foot five, and he is a physical specimen, but that's just not his game. Justin Hall is a big defenseman. That's just not his game. Well, they need a couple players that, that is part of their game. And if they don't have that, then against Tampa, who is their, going to be their opponent in the first round. If, you know, not only does Maroon and Perry and Kalorn and Zach Bogosian, are they physical players, but guys like Kucherov, who is one of the best players in the league? That guy will sewer you. He will. He will. He will slew foot you. He will do anything it takes to win. And Stamkos is physical too. They get physicality out of their skill guys, and I, that's not part of Marner and Matthews' game. And if it's not part of their game, that's got to be part of somebody else's game. But whatever yeah. happened to the days when, like you know, by all accounts, these guys say they care about each other? Um, is that's usually the way that hockey players show they care, is it not? Where that they stick up for each other and, and you know, you don't have to get into fights necessarily every night to be. No, um, no it's, it's not fighting, but it's let yeah. me actually bef- the idea of one talk about being, let's say a dinosaur and I'm a dinosaur. I was telling Syl this, somebody mentioned before, what about having, and I know both you and I share the same player. What about her favorite player? What about having like a Wendell Clark on the left side with Tavares and Nylander? Like that would be, that would be the best, like Wendell Clark before the back injuries and everything. Yeah. yeah. If, we could, if, we could, if we could go back in a time warp and get night and get 19, let's see, 1987 Wendell when he had, when he had 37 yeah. goals and they played, yeah. they played in the, in the first two. Yeah. If you could get that guy to put on the line, you know, I mean, first of all, he'd be suspended <laughs> for 20 games for the hit on, uh, on Bruce Bell. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was I mean, the best one. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and that was six, the best. Eight, six foot eight, Charlie Bourgeois didn't want to fight Wendell after that. And he's standing right there, but but yeah. see, that's the thing. It's like that player. I don't. That player doesn't exist. Anymore. It doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, there yeah. are players that are reasonable facsimiles. I mean, first of all, Wendell Clark was five foot eleven and one hundred and eighty five pounds, and he was fighting the toughest guys. He was fighting Probert. He was fighting Rick Tockett. Yeah. You know, it's like, and that's probably what uh, shortened his career because his back injuries were created by all those fights and all that. Yeah. And then he had the wrist shot that rivals Austin Matthews. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and, and when he turned yeah. into just a pure scorer after he recovered from the back problems, he scored 40 some odd goals with, with Doug Gilmore as his center. Uh, before getting traded uh, in the deal for Sundin. So, you know, you can just imagine what he would have been had he been able to fight those battles and then put that to the side and be purely a scorer. But, I mean, you know, Tom Wilson is not the scorer that Wendell Clark was, but he's more of a – and he's a big big dude. 
Um, you know, some people think that the, the guy who the Leafs should trade for is Tyler Bertuzzi from Detroit. But Tyler Bertuzzi has the injury problems that Wendell does. Mm-hmm. He's had two broken hands, and now he has a, a hamstring injury. And it's like, if you trade for somebody, you want that player to be available. Nick Foligno wasn't available, unfortunately. I think that would have been a really good trade that would have helped the Leafs in the playoffs, but he got hurt three games into his tenure with this, with the, with the Leafs. And it, it just never came to pass, yeah. but mm-hmm. they, they, and that's but, the thing with these, some of these players though, like Ryan O'Reilly, he's injured too. Like this, yeah, they had Gustav but, Nyquist, we heard too. And uh, he's hurt. Possibility. And now, yeah. Yeah, Joel but, but I mean, O'Reilly's supposed to be back and it's a foot injury. It was from, I think, blocking a shot. So it wasn't something that you expect to recur unless, He's not wearing his uh, shot guards, and he gets one off the foot again. Um, but I mean, with, with with O'Reilly, it's more attitude. He's what I would term as a red ass. He's somebody who just, you know, he, he he's somebody who who is a is an energizer bunny and doesn't quit. And I think that this, this team, you know, you will get a higher level from some players. Like Engvall will push back in the playoffs like he did last year against Tampa. When the emotions get flowing, you know, these players will will support their teammates. I'm not saying that they, they won't. I'm just saying you need – how do you prevent players from hitting your star players – you have your players hit the other team's star players. There's there there the, the whole Wendell Clark, uh, Marty McSorley thing in '93 mm-hmm. was McSorley responding when when McSorley hit Gilmore. It was because mm-hmm. Wendell Clark was hitting Gretzky, and yeah. that was that was McSorley's warning to the Leafs to have Wendell stop hitting Gretzky, or I'm going to take out your guy. And that's what he did. And the following year, the following year, Gino Ojic. Uh, was going at Gilmore, and Wendell Clark went in front of the Canucks bench and, bench and said, he pointed to Pavel Burry and said, <laughs> if you don't stop going after Gilmore, this guy is a dead man. Oh so that's, and, and, and that's, you know, I'm sort of being over the yeah. top here, but yeah. how, do you, how do you stop Kalorn uh, or Maroon or Perry from going after the Leafs yeah. players? You go after the, the Lightning players, Their and that's players. the only way yeah. you stop them. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. We got a little bit of time to get for Kyle Dubas to uh, figure out, yeah, what we uh, what we can get um, to get to get to that point of meanness. Basically, the the t- we need toughness is what it is, right? So, um, and we're gonna have you on before the deadline, definitely again uh, to uh, yeah to to join us, and hopefully we'll have a better bit of a better picture right now we're just kind of circling around to see what what the possibilities are so thank you very much mike for joining us as our ladies talking leaves insider (laughs) and uh and we'll be talking again soon always a pleasure thanks thanks mike all right thanks again to mike for joining us and we look forward to having him on the show again before deadline day Yeah, so the NHL is heading into the All-Star break and teams will have their bye week. So it's a light schedule for the weeks for the Leafs over the next couple of weeks, which is a good thing because this is like the best time if if Austin's going to be injured. This is the best time for him to be out. So I mean, he doesn't get to go to the All-Star game, but yeah. If there was any, if there was a good time, now would be the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So in this time frame, though, they do play the Bruins on Wednesday, and then they won't play again until February 10th and the 11th, where we have back-to-back games against the Columbus Blue Jackets. 
Yes. And we should win both of those games going back to my yes. bad of the uh of of the good, bad, and ugly, um, they need to win both of those games. They they should, um, and or at least get three out of four points. Even like if take it to overtime in one of the games, but they gotta mm-hmm. they gotta put the foot down, put the pedal to the metal, and uh, <laughs> and just get it done um, because they are even without Austin Matthews, they are still a good, a really good team, and they can yeah. if they just commit to the team defense and play the right way they'll they'll be good during those two games absolutely and And we don't normally have a bad record when austin's out so yeah yeah and then of course the game versus the bruins i'm sure they'll bring it (laughs) yes there's no question there they're gonna bring it definitely yeah all right so be sure to follow us on social media to keep up to date on everything that we have for the leafs uh twitter instagram facebook our handle is at ltl1917 We love hearing from our listeners, so leave us a comment on our posts or tweets uh, with your thoughts of what's going on with the Leafs. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel for video of games that we attend at Scotiabank Arena. You can also see some video of our road trip from Carolina that we took earlier this season as well. As always, we say thank you to our healthcare workers and first responders for everything that they do. And we say thanks to you for listening. So till next time... Go, go, leave, go. go. go.